0: Good morning, and welcome once again to the MoneyWise radio program with Ray Lance of USA Wealth Group, your financial and retirement guide. Thanks for making us part of your morning. The mission of USA Wealth is to help you protect your family and protect your money. And now, here's the host of your show,
1: Ray Lance. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of MoneyWise. Today, we're going to be talking about the subject of bankruptcy. What does it mean? What does it cost? How do you file? When can you file? What's exempt? Lots of good information today about the subject of bankruptcy. And it is a legal right that's available to people if you have a need to file bankruptcy for whatever reason. The laws exist to protect you. It's not like the days back in England, for example, when if you owed money that you couldn't pay to somebody, you had to go to debtor's prison. And that didn't accomplish a thing because how can you pay your debts if you're in prison? But that's what they did back in the old days. Today, we have a much more enlightened approach talking about bankruptcy. We're thrilled this morning to have with us a special guest, Attorney Edward J. Sylvia Jr. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Ray. You know, Ed, we're not going to mention dates and years and so forth, but you and I have known each other for a very, very long time. And where did you go to law school, Ed?
0: I went to uh, Suffolk Law School.
1: And you went to undergraduate where at Tufts?
0: Tufts, I went to Tufts, and then I did some graduate work at University of Maryland and some graduate work in construction law at Harvard.
1: I remember you had a background. You worked for W.R. Grace, I remember, a very large uh, construction company in New York City, um, I believe. Is Is that correct?
0: Right. I did that before I went to law school between graduating from Tufts, I got went to all the construction schools that they could find and then sent me to upstate New York to handle the as a let's say a college educated uh, salesman to handle the north country where all the construction the university New York University the Albany campus building campus and they wanted someone who had a college education to go out and show that then there were no educated people in the construction industry selling, and they wanted to convert it to a more professional image, and that's why they sent me up there.
1: And besides your construction background, I notice that you also have a long experience in the real estate field in general. I know you've been a developer, you've been an attorney for developers, Uh, You've been involved in many, many construction projects over the years, haven't you?
0: Yeah, I think coming back from uh, W.R. Grace's experience and the years in the construction business for W.R. Grace gave me the experience to come back and start doing public housing. And in this area, as you know, I did a number of major low-income projects that we sold to the government. Satellite Village, Shawmut Village, Caroline Eldie, uh, quite a few units here and all over the Northeast.
1: And besides your construction background, I know that now in your law practice, you have another attorney with you. You have your son, Douglas, uh, who's an attorney.
0: I'm fortunate. My oldest son is an attorney, and thank goodness he's there. He keeps me updated on all the changes in the law because I've been around a while, and I don't follow the latest little items and changes in the administrative part of the law, all these motions, and he makes sure that I comply with every new rule.
1: But he's a good detail man, and he does that for you, so you have the capability in your office.
0: Correct, and my daughter is also an attorney.
1: Yes, I know she is. Now, does she practice law?
0: She practices law, and she's the juvenile court advocate. She defends uh, young kids. When they uh, get accused of different items, if they, for instance, have Tourette's and accused by the school department or a teacher of being disruptive, that could hurt them trying to go to college, et cetera, and she tries to straighten those kinds of things out, truancies, those kinds of things, every day in the juvenile court.
1: Well, I know Danielle, and, and uh, she actually spent some Summertime with me uh, as an intern a number of years ago, and she's delightful. I haven't seen her for a while, so please give uh, Danny or Danielle my regards.
0: I certainly will. I see her all the time.
1: Good. Now, in my family, by the way, uh, my wife is a lawyer. She runs Lance Law, Inc., and our daughter Catherine is a lawyer. She's a stay-at-home mom at the moment. Uh, She's not working uh, outside of the home. I have to say outside the home, because she works pretty hard inside the home with a with a young kid, young child. And uh, that's a delight. It's, it's wonderful to have grandkids, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I have eight now, and the range is from 26 to five. So it's quite a range.
1: Well, you must have been a very young father. That's all I can say, <laughs> Ed. Well, let's move on to our topic of bankruptcy. Ladies and gentlemen, um, Attorney Ed Sylvia, whose main office is in New Bedford. What's your office address, by the way, Ed?
0: 558 Pleasant Street. We're right downtown next to the police station and across from the Webster
1: Bank. And the building that you're in is actually called the Masonic Building, correct? Correct. Just realized I better shut off my cell phone here so it won't ring in the middle of this uh, broadcast. Um but I know that you also do, you do two primary things right now, well, actually three. You do a lot of work still in the real estate area representing contractors and developers, but you you also do a lot of uh, civil litigation. You- right.
0: We, you know, I started out because I was dealing so often with construction. I started out with the premise that negotiate, don't litigate. And that's Followed by the costs of litigation today are so expensive that for anyone to undertake a major law case, you need lots of money to do it for Mm. discovery, for for doing depositions, for doing motions. And it's much cheaper if you can negotiate your way out of it so that both parties never – no one's ever happy, but if they can both – walk out satisfied that they got something. Ultimately, most cases end up that way anyway.
1: Sure they do. And sometimes on the courthouse steps, unfortunately, too.
0: Correct. And you've spent all that money to litigate, and you come down to where you could have done this by negotiation three years prior. Mm.
1: Well, we're talking, ladies and gentlemen, this morning with attorney Edward Sylvia, who's based in New Bedford. And besides his very extensive construction and development background and real estate. Uh, he's also an experienced litigator in really all the courts in our state and federal courts as well. But the most important thing we're going to talk about today is your experience working in the bankruptcy arena. And I know you and uh, your son Douglas represent not only companies that go bankrupt like commercial bankruptcies, but you do also work with individuals as well.
0: Correct. We have seen individuals who have come to us, um, even the emergency where someone realizes they could probably save their house, and they come to us at 10 a.m. in the morning with an 11 o'clock auction. And we are, because with the new technology, we are connected directly electronically with the bankruptcy court. So we can file a motion Uh, an emergency motion with the court and be able to do that in a very quick uh, response to very often save somebody's property. That's usually the purpose.
1: Mm. Well, you know, that's very interesting for anyone listening today, Ed, because ideally you don't have people come in an hour before a foreclosure, but you said you've done that. But ideally people will plan a little bit. The important message we want to make sure people understand today is that you have legal rights and there are things that you can do including if necessary filing a bankruptcy petition and the lawyers at uh, Ed Sylvia's office himself and his son Douglas have the experience to be able to handle your problems for you you know one of the things I like to do on my show Ed is I like to give quotations that I think are relevant to what we're talking about so this happens to be from a famous Greek philosopher whose name was Pericles We Athenians hold that it is not poverty that is disgraceful, but the failure to struggle against it. So because you're poor or because you have financial problems or debt problems, don't assume that you necessarily have to be embarrassed about it. What you need to do is to take some action.
0: Correct. Uh, By the way, every time I hear you do these
1: proverbs, et cetera, (laughs) makes me
0: smile. I hear hear you on the shows and I say, where'd you get this?
1: We do a lot of research. Uh (laughs) They don't come out of my memory banks. (laughs) Yeah,
0: The image has changed. Uh, Business today and the government has designed, basically, the bankruptcy program, to give you a second chance to clean up and start again. And there are lots of advantages of filing. and you can, very often, preserve some of the items. Uh, you can preserve your car, uh, your tools of the trade. You can preserve, very often, your house if, if you can com- comply with the requirements. You can have an exemption for a certain amount of cash, up to eight, $18,000. You can there are a lot of exceptions, but there are a lot of protections that occur. It's not the scary item that it used to be. Mm. I mean, I try to point out early on that, listen, they do six bankruptcies an hour. That means you're only going to be in front of... In court, you mean. In court. Mm -hmm. And it's not in court. It's in a hearing room with a trustee, and you only get 10 minutes, and that trustee listens to you, and very often, if he's familiar with the attorneys who are doing it, he knows that the attorney is thoroughly prepared and knows what is required so he can get the person, the debtor, in and out in 10 minutes, and you walk away with the discharge.
1: So it doesn't need to be an intimidating experience, and people shouldn't be fearful about going through this process. I would
0: say 90% of the time they never see a judge.
1: Mm-hmm. They see
0: a lay person who's an attorney who's been appointed by the court to listen and examine the facts of the case, and to make the decision. It's only if there's a question that you end up in court.
1: But you started out with something really interesting. You said that you don't lose everything if you have to go through the bankruptcy process. You're allowed to keep certain things. And I know, and I've also done a little research uh, for this show as well, that you have both federal exemptions or you can also claim perhaps state exemptions uh, under the state of Massachusetts, for example. Correct. And. Do you have to select either one or the other? Yes,
0: you have to take your choice, and they provide different kinds of protection. Um, what I'm more concerned with is what do you what do you currently have you as far as debts? Mm-hmm. Debts can include every contingent item you can think of. For instance, if you have a little store and someone fell down two years ago and said, I'm going to sue you, you want to put that down. Mm -hmm. If your neighbor says your dog bit me and I'm going to sue you, you want to put that down and you put it as a contingent liability.
1: Or if you co-signed a loan for somebody, perhaps you want to make sure you list that, I would assume.
0: I agree. And you get one chance to clear everything up. So you want to think of every possible creditor or claim that can be made against you.
1: Some of the uh, items that I've come across under the Massachusetts uh, state exemptions are cemeteries and burial property. So, for example, if you have uh, a burial plot in a cemetery, if you have maybe prepaid for funeral and burial expenses, uh, those are exempt items, I guess?
0: Right. And, you know, I'm getting too close to that age where I well, don't even want there, to then. think about that one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> No, we're, we're going to be here for another 20 or 25 years, so we need to have You're a new 25-year uh, plan, Ed. Okay. <laughs> but uh, insurance benefits, I know that if you are on disability, uh, let's say somebody has had a disabling injury, they're receiving disability benefits, um, but they also have overwhelming debts and need to file bankruptcy. I've read that um, you can exempt up to $400 a week in disability insurance benefits. I can't take that from you. Correct.
0: The most important thing I find people concerned about is their 401k or their retirement accounts.
1: Good point, because I do a lot of work in that area.
0: That's important because I have found clients who come in and they say, geez, I think I'm protected. I have a retirement account. And then I examine what that account consists of. And if I ask them, look, can you change it? Can you sell stock in it? Can you call up the broker? and tell them to do this or make a change? And if I get a positive answer, I immediately am concerned because a retirement account has to be what is called an ERISA account. It has to be beyond your control. Mm -hmm. And if you have any control over it, then that control means that the trustee or the bankruptcy court will have control of it. But if it's qualified, and it's separate, and you have no control, then that's excluded from the bankruptcy. For instance, that's how um, the famous OJ can live. He's got a retirement account that was approved, done, didn't have control of it, so he can live off that 401k account that he has, and the bankruptcy court can't get it.
1: hmm well, you know, it's complicated. And by the way, ERISA, I know, is a section under the Internal Revenue Code that deals with certain types of retirement plans and retirement accounts. I suspect that one exemption under the state law that might be more interesting to people is motor vehicles. And I've read that you can have a car with up to $7,500 in value.
0: Correct. And the, co- and the, equity. the uh, trustee uses... Just like anybody, uh, you go online to the Blue Book, they look at the wholesale value, not the retail value, and they'll ask how many miles uh, your car has. But if it's anywhere near the 7,500, they know there's a cost to selling it. So Mm -hmm. even if the car shows up at $9,000 on a Blue Book value, it doesn't really give them any uh, motivation to chase it because by the time... The cost of liquidating, selling the car, they end up with nothing. So you get the exemption for the car.
1: One of my favorites under personal property, in terms of things that you can keep, you can keep two cows, 12 sheep, two swine, and four tons of hay, according to the Massachusetts statute. I guess this must have been the pretty old law when that was written. (laughs) (laughs) But you can keep military uniforms. You can keep a certain amount in jewelry. uh, And then there's some just blank dollar amounts that you can keep. That's the $18,000 or so you mentioned.
0: What happens is that what the court is looking for, the bankruptcy court is looking for, is do you have anything of special value? Do you have a coin collection that's worth a fortune? Do you Mm -hmm. have a stamp collection? Are you a collector of gold jewelry? Um, These are the kinds of things that they look for. Typically, they don't want your household goods. They don't want your clothing. Mm -hmm. They want only significant items because the household goods, when you put them in an auction or a market, have no real value. They're looking looking for items of particular value. And I said things that I've seen, gun collections, they'll take and liquidate. They call someone to Mm -hmm. do it. Um, If you have something of value, Then there's a method by which they approach uh, and set down how they're going to determine it, what happens. That's a whole different ballgame. That gets Mm -hmm. into the
1: business. One other thing, and the last thing I want to mention on the topic of exemptions, is that if you receive any veterans' benefits, they're 100% exempt. They can't touch them. They're sacred. So we don't have to worry about that. You know, there was a an actor, uh, and he's also a writer and producer who once said, "I've never been poor, only broke. Being poor is a frame of mind; being broke is only a temporary situation."
0: This one of your great proverbs again. It that is causes one of my quotations. Smile every time I hear him.
1: Well, have you ever heard of Ernest Hemingway? For example. Oh yes. Oh, here we go again. Well, Ernest Hemingway said, "How did you go bankrupt?" And he answers two ways: gradually, then suddenly. <laughs> So a lot of famous people have had to go through the bankruptcy process as well. And the purpose of bankruptcy really is to give somebody a fresh start. Uh, Sometimes for various reasons, circumstances get beyond us or we have accidents. And I've been told that the number one reason that people have to go into bankruptcy is because of medical bills. Correct. And And that's that's a shame.
0: And it's the complications of the medical bills. They had to stop working, mm-hmm. They and no longer could produce the money that was required. Uh, today it gets more complicated because you have two people working, and it requires two people to carry all the debt of the household. So if one gets sick, very often that destroys the financial ability to maintain their status, and that is more likely today than it has in the past where only one person was working. Another could step in.
1: Yeah, and sure, and if you're a married couple today, it typically will take two incomes to even be able to buy a house, to afford a house in the first place. So if one person has medical issues or work disability or something, things can spiral out of control pretty quickly. But it's a sad commentary, I guess, on our health situation our health systems that medical bills is the number one reason that people have to file bankruptcy.
0: I find that That reason, though, is diminishing because there is more and more medical coverage out there.
1: Well, that's good to hear.
0: Yes, and so that number of uh, that reasoning on the um, on the bankruptcy form is reduced now compared to what it used to be.
1: Well, let's go back to the basics of actually. How does one file a bankruptcy petition? Do you ever see somebody and suggest that they? Uh, look into credit counseling, for example. We've had those people on the show before.
0: Credit counseling has to is a now a requirement. Okay, you cannot file bankruptcy unless you uh, go to a credit counselor. We have a couple of services that we use, and it's uh, they're called different. Debt Helper is is probably the biggest one in the country, and then I've got another one here that's called uh, Dollar Book. Um, Those are the organizations that require counseling. Now, people say, well, I don't want to go sit with people. I I don't really want to. Well, the credit counseling is anonymous. You can do it by phone. Mm -hmm. You provide a credit card, and you have to use someone else's credit card because they won't take your credit card because you're in bankruptcy. (laughs) But you'll have to get someone who provide a credit card, you pay anywhere from $10 to $50 for the credit counseling, and it's done on the phone. And when you sit down, you have to be prepared to sit at least an hour. And they warn you ahead of time. And if you jump off in between, then you lose the place that you are in, and you have to start over again when you make the call. The call is pretty detailed.
1: Hmm. Well, I think that's probably a good requirement. It's, it's a little bit like a reverse mortgage. For if you're 62 and older and you have interest in a reverse mortgage, nobody can take an application in Massachusetts unless you go through credit counseling first and find out what the pros and cons of it are. So I think that's a good requirement. Now, what kinds of things maybe cannot be discharged in bankruptcy? Um, how about taxes, for example?
0: The funny part is people think that you can't discharge taxes. Well, Income taxes that are more than three years old are discharged.
1: Wow, that's interesting. Okay.
0: Okay. But any kind of trust tax, for instance, payroll tax, withholding, Mm -hmm. uh, sales tax, et cetera, is not discharged, no matter how old it is. All right. So the government can chase you for those. But typically, the income tax that's more than three years old is discharged. Most people uh, don't realize that. There's another tax implication that people don't think about when they participate in what is called the short sale. Okay, yes. And that's because, let's say that you owe $250,000 on your house, and you ask and it consent, and the bank consents to a short sale of 150000
1: mm-hmm.
0: Well, you've got to remember when you borrow money, It's not taxable. But if you don't pay it back, it's regular income.
1: It's like forgiveness of indebtedness income. Correct. Well, you have to know about taxes and everything else besides just the bankruptcy law. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking this morning with attorney Ed Sylvia, whose office is located at 558 Pleasant Street in downtown New Bedford. And he practices with his son, attorney Doug Sylvia. And today we're talking about bankruptcy and what's involved in filing, what are you allowed to keep, and we have a number of other things we're going to talk about. How long does it take? What's the cost of going through a bankruptcy petition? And this program is brought to you every week by USA Wealth Group. We specialize in doing retirement planning and helping you figure out the best ways to make sure you have adequate retirement income. And you can reach us at 508-998-8858. We're going to be right back in a minute and continue this important discussion with Attorney Sylvia about bankruptcy. Please stay tuned. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another version of Money Wise, and thank you so much for listening. We like to talk about financial subjects every week that will have relevance perhaps in your life or a friend that you might know or a family member. And today we're talking with attorney Ed Sylvia, Edward J. Sylvia, Jr. He practices law primarily out of New Bedford in the South Coast area. And um, Ed, I know that you do a lot of work in bankruptcy, not only for individuals, but you do a lot of company work as well, because companies get into difficulty financially too, don't they?
0: Yes, they do. But there's an area that we should cover going backwards to the individual very often a person will come in and is making a substantial amount of money and has a good salary and just got in trouble for some reason, for instance, health or whatever. He may want to file for bankruptcy, and we sit down with them and discuss and fill out a form that is required by the bankruptcy court. hmm gives all the income you have and all your expenses. And we've put that form through a software program that the court has provided, and it determines whether you can file to liquidate all your debt, or are you converted to or put into a Chapter 13 plan.
1: Okay, Chapter 13, is that for individuals? It's for
0: individuals, it can't be for a business. And a Chapter 13 plan will often Take some debt, some unsecured debt, and reduce that dramatically down to 30 cents on a dollar or something, mm-hmm. and then take all your other debt and look at it and say, we we think you can pay in a plan for the next three years to catch up on the back payments of your mortgage, okay. on the back payments of your car because you had some special uh, reason that you couldn't for a few months. And they'll put you into a plan. The plan gets monitored by the court for the next three, four, or five-year max. And you work it out and you pay off a certain percentage of all your debts as you go along. That's another method that's used by the court. If, in fact, you have too much income and it's regular income, that means you have to have a salary or some kind of regular income where that 13 comes into play.
1: So I, I don't know much at all about bankruptcy. I mean, you're the expert, which is why I'm thrilled to have you here this morning, Attorney Ed Sylvia. But is it safe to say that there are three main types of bankruptcy? There's a Chapter 11, which is a workout plan for business. There's a Chapter 13, which is a workout plan for individuals. And then there's a Chapter 7, which is a straight liquidation. Correct. Okay, good. So at least I know those basics.
0: And the Chapter 7 is... If anyone fails in their plan, if you uh, go along for a year in your Chapter 13 and all of a sudden you have some other uh, problem or you actually can't, you lose your job, then the court will automatically move you to a Chapter 7 and liquidate. Okay. The same thing happens in a business. You set a plan with your creditors to pay them a certain amount of dollars over time. Mm -hmm. You might even give them shares of the business in between as part of their compensation going forward. And if the business fails or fails to meet the sales goals or the income goals, the court again will convert the Chapter 11 to a Chapter 7 liquidation.
1: Well, uh, there's a gentleman named uh, Jared Kintz who once wrote, I'm writing a book on bankruptcy. So far, I've only got chapter 11 down. <laughs> so a little pun, a little play on words. But i want to give you one other quote that I thought was kind of acute. Uh, bankruptcy stared me in the face, but one thought kept me calm. Soon I'd be too poor to need an anti-theft alarm. <laughs> and I'm going to give you one more, which I like even a little bit better. This is from um, Joey Adams, who was an American comedian. Bankruptcy is a legal proceeding in which you put your money in your pants pocket and you give your coat to your creditors.
0: I think you'd have a disagreement (laughs) with a trustee or a bankruptcy judge.
1: You know, I was reading recently that um, apparently Donald Trump has uh, gone through the bankruptcy process something like four times with his various companies.
0: You can make the choice, and that's very, very often done when a, a business person comes in. He may have two or three business trusts or LLCs or corporations, and then he's, he, as an individual, is the president or the sole member in these LLCs. We see different items. You can file for the corporation if it's that corporate debt, and you are not personally have guaranteed all that debt, then maybe you can just file for the corporation. On the other side, people want to keep the corporations going so they file personally Mm -hmm. and eliminate all their guarantees on all the debt and all their vendor debt to them. And the corporation tries to stay in business and is not part of the bankruptcy, Mm. especially those corporations typically have no value. No value in that they owe as much as they uh, have as assets.
1: Hmm. You Yeah, know, this is really interesting. The more questions I ask and the more information you provide, um, the more interested I become. Um, I was trying to do some research uh, prior to the show. I always do that because I want to make sure I can ask appropriate questions for you. But I read recently there's something called a Chapter 12 also for family farmers or family fishermen, and I was wondering and I I haven't had a chance to ask you this question ahead of time, Um, I wonder if that's something that would be appropriate for people in our area with fishermen. It's possible. I haven't seen
0: it because most fishermen are covered by corporations, the ones that have businesses. They all create corporations and LLCs. The individuals I have not seen use a 12. They end up using a 13 because today fishermen have a high income but they also owe a lot of taxes. Right. And the reason being the I've seen f- that too. Mm. fishing industry was basically disorganized uh, up until the recent years, and fishermen didn't have taxes deducted from their paychecks. Right. One of the reasons that the government has set on a policy of eliminating the guy who can go out in a fishing boat and come back and make a living is, is against what the government wants. They're trying to get big corporations to control the fishing so they can control the people and collect the taxes. They don't want you going out in a boat, coming back, sell your fish on the street and make a living.
1: Is there any particular rule of thumb as to when somebody should consider filing, if they're being harassed by creditors or if they're being sued or if they simply can't afford the pile of debt that they have? It's probably, I'm assuming it must be unique for every individual.
0: It is. I have seen, (laughs) I have actually seen a bag boy who made $12,000 a year for one of the big supermarkets in New Bedford
1: come in with
0: $88,000 in credit card debt.
1: Well, that's not surprising (laughs) as it may seem because I've seen similar situations over the course of my career as well when people had perfect credit. I remember one woman in New Bedford, she had $50,000 of credit card debt and she had perfect credit because she kept getting more credit cards and then she was buying things and she was taking cash advances and using that money to make the payments on the other credit cards. And when she ended up filing bankruptcy, the creditors were very surprised and said, you've always paid on time, you have perfect credit. But she was pyramiding. Correct.
0: You also want to watch out for lawsuits and when you file. Um you can get rid of or wipe out a judgment, if it, and no matter the amount, if you file. If it goes to an execution and the execution is put on, then instead of having it wiped out, it becomes a priority in the bankruptcy and is good for 20 years. That's, wow. that's one of the items. So, so you don't
1: get a discharge in bankruptcy for that item then?
0: No. And what people want to do is, if you have a large judgment, come in before the 30-day conversion that allows them to convert it to an execution.
1: Hmm. Well, that's a really unusual thing that I think a lot of people might be interested in understanding. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to USA Wealth Group. We speak to you every week uh, on the weekend and talk to you about financial subjects and topics that might be of interest to you and some things that might be able to be used by you to protect your family, and certainly the bankruptcy subject is something that I suspect a lot of people don't know about, Ed. We're, we're talking with attorney Edward J. Sylvia Jr., um, whose office is in downtown New Bedford. He practices law with his son, Doug, and who's also an attorney, and they do you know, together a lot of work in the bankruptcy area. How long does bankruptcy take, typically? Let's say somebody comes in your office and says, I've got a problem, I've got all these financial debts. How long does it take from there until they might receive a discharge, for example? A
0: typical, regular, Chapter 7 bankruptcy, you're probably in and out of the process within 120 days. Okay. And that's pretty four short. Months. All right. On the other side, I have seen businesses go three years, four years, and before they're given a discharge um, because people in business – have the opportunity very often to take control away from their bankers or from away from their lenders. Um, What happens is the bankruptcy, you can use a bankruptcy court to uh, file your bankruptcy petition and everything that you have now belongs to the trustee. The trustee will now protect and sell your assets at the best possible price they will try to collect receivables. They they can actually help you control your debt and your business by filing the
1: bankruptcy. Hmm. Well, that makes some sense. And um, is there life after bankruptcy? Absolutely. Okay. First of all, because you get to keep certain things, don't you? Correct. So you're not entirely destitute. What about, let's say you uh, lost your house in foreclosure and things compounded and you end up filing bankruptcy, can you go buy another house? It
0: takes typically now, and there's some bank rules, but after three years, if you have built up a credit card background and a credit background since the bankruptcy, you can apply for a mortgage that's federally insured.
1: Mm. We've told people in the past who've gone through bankruptcy, One of the first things you might want to do is go back down to Sears Roebuck and open up a simple small bank account, a small credit card account.
0: Absolutely. Rebuild the credit.
1: And start to rebuild your credit slowly, and they will take people who have gone through bankruptcy, and other credit card companies will as well, because they figure that now you've gotten a fresh start, you don't owe anything, and therefore you can afford to make payments on the new credit card. And
0: you're taking the good side. The other side is the creditors are ruthless, and they look at it and say, ha, they can't file for 10 years, so we got them. We're going to, go, we're going to give him a credit card, and he can't file bankruptcy again for 10 years.
1: Now, that's an interesting point. I hadn't known about that or thought about that. So you can only do this every 10 years, Correct. then? Correct. Okay. Wow, I have learned something else new. What does it typically cost for filing fees or legal fees to go through a consumer bankruptcy, let's say? A typical
0: consumer bankruptcy, and the, the bankruptcy court has issued guidelines, but typically it costs $1,500 for a mm-hmm. simple bankruptcy, and you pay the court costs, and those come out usually at about $350. Then you have to pay mailings to all your creditors and copy. So. It typically, 500 for $2,000, that would be the total cost of your bankruptcy. That's 500 goes for administration and fees to the court, mm-hmm. and 1500 goes to the lawyer.
1: And I assume you don't let people charge the bankruptcy fee on a credit card or on your account.
0: <laughs> no, and if you don't collect it, the bankruptcy court wants to know your plan and why. And the bankruptcy court always makes you fill out a form that says how much you are collecting and they look at it for reasonableness.
1: Okay so if you had let's say fifty seventy five thousand hundred thousand dollars worth of consumer debt whatever it was but you're also making a really good salary um, let's say you're making fifty sixty thousand dollars a year of income then you have to go through the test first to see whether you should be doing a chapter thirteen you always go
0: through that test. Okay. And we always run it through the software, and we look at the bottom line and say, okay, does it qualify or not? That's our call. And we look, and then we present it to the trustee, and he looks at the forms and decides whether you correctly interpreted it or not.
1: Okay, so you've got software in your office that you use. Correct. And the- we,
0: they have a service called PACER, which... Uh, Law officers that do bankruptcy are directly connected with the bankruptcy court. So we go back and forth. We can send in something. We get a reply right away, and it's direct. Um, the days of running up to the bankruptcy court and filing papers at the last minute mm-hmm. can't be done anymore. They won't accept it. Okay you try to go to the desk and fi- give them a petition for bankruptcy, they won't take it.
1: So let's say somebody wants to do a, a preliminary interview in your office and figure out whether they should file bankruptcy or what type of bankruptcy, um, what information should they bring to your office, or do you send them forms that says, fill out everything you can about all of your creditors and bring that in first, and then we'll analyze it?
0: We use a bankruptcy guideline form, Okay. but typically the person wants to talk to someone rather than fill a form. So we say, come in. Okay. And they come in, and we talk to them and try to determine, A, if they qualify for a 7 or a 13, or if we can negotiate away some of the debt. Very often, some of these creditors will negotiate a drastic reduction, especially if they get a call from a bankruptcy attorney. Mm -hmm. They'd rather get something than nothing. Right. And so very often, we can negotiate some of that debt away and come up with a plan that the people are happy with. But what we ask them to do is make a list of every creditor, make a list of every possible lawsuit that ever can come against you, any claim, put it all down, bring it in, and then bring in a copy of your last bill that was sent to you from that creditor, whether it's the Sears and Roebuck or Big Value Outlet or anyone else.
1: And I assume you'd want to see their tax returns, too, because you want to make sure their taxes are current.
0: Three years. You have to be, you don't have to pay it, but you have to have filed your last three years tax returns. That's your income tax. Federal.
1: And is that a government requirement in order to file bankruptcy? You must have also filed your tax returns?
0: It is the requirement of the court and the U.S. trustee. Whether it's a federal rule, I don't know, but it's certainly the rule in Massachusetts and in the federal court in Mass.
1: Well, it makes sense as well because you don't want, you want to know, number one, that people are at least looking at their federal and state tax obligations, and number two, that um, if they do owe anything of that nature, you need to know what it is.
0: Correct, and that is also part of the negotiations, because very often the tax people will negotiate a payment plan, for instance.
1: Ladies and gentlemen listening, we're uh, talking with attorney Ed Silvia, and um, I'm calling him a bankruptcy expert. He's not allowed to call himself a bankruptcy expert because lawyers in Massachusetts don't do that, but I'm going to call you a bankruptcy expert, Ed, and I really appreciate your being here to talk with us this morning. Uh, Tell me about student loans. There's a lot in the news lately about student loans. Are they dischargeable in bankruptcy?
0: No, they're not. What happens is the student loan stops. Um, They put a stay on it until the bankruptcy estate is determined. But the the, uh, student loan is not discharged. It's just like the trust accounts that you hold for the government withholding taxes, payroll taxes, sales taxes, those are all accounts that do not get discharged.
1: Okay. My uh, my son is uh, Peter. He's been on the show a few times, and he has a company called Lance Family Agency, which does a lot of work with uh, teachers and Horace Mann Insurance Company and property and casualty, car insurance, things like that. But he's been doing a lot of research the last couple of weeks on the subject of student loans because there are different ways than one can... Tackle the problem of student loans, and it's a serious issue. There's just an article I gave him from the Wall Street Journal talking about how serious the problem of student loans is, and they're talking about somebody who just graduated from law school with two hundred and thirty thousand dollars in student loan debt. I mean, how do you how do you ever pay that back? That's a serious problem.
0: That's also affecting the healthcare industry. What's happening is that there are not enough doctors. And today, the typical tuition to medical school runs about $85,000 without Mm. room and board. And that is keeping lots of students and lots of people who have gone through college, qualified, and then say, I don't want the pressure of getting out of medical school owing that much money.
1: Mm. Now... um What should people not do if they're thinking about filing bankruptcy? Let's say they say, well, you know, I owe my mother $1,000, and I'm going to take one last vacation before I file bankruptcy and use up my credit cards, or I'm going to take cash advances on my credit cards because I need some money for something. Um, What what are some of the things that people should not do if they think they're going to file? The first
0: thing is the trustee will look at your credit card debt and look at what were your last 90 days of bills. If, in fact, you took out a lot of cash, they want to know where to go. Mm -hmm. Why did you take out so much cash? If you bought a whole load of furniture or a new car, they, they will frown upon that, and you start out in a bad position in front of a trustee. They're just looking for common sense. If you're doing your normal household things and you go out once a week and you put it on the credit card for the last three years, you can put it on and nobody's going to question it. It's that extraordinary expenditure that raises the red flag to any trustee and puts you in a bad position.
1: But I'm sure you see lots of people who come into your office and everybody thinks that they've got their own little way of getting around it, don't they?
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) And, you know, you always ask the uh, client, tell the truth yes because I'm an attorney we're attorneys and we're bound to keep that quiet but if we don't know what you've done how can we protect you in advance mm-hmm. the last thing I want to know want to happen is to sit in front of a trustee and have him discover that you own property that you didn't tell us about
1: right well you know it's it's a pretty complicated subject and um, we want to make sure that you get the best advice possible, ladies and gentlemen. So if somebody has questions, um, they can call your office and make an appointment. Sure. And if they want to come in and just talk about it generally and see if it's a suitable thing for them to consider, filing some form of a bankruptcy petition, um, is there any charge that you have for your initial meeting? The initial
0: meeting's free. Okay. We, because we find that there's always something that we can help to cure that person's problem with and um we do it many times and very often people will go off and not come back that's okay i wanted the people to understand what they need to do and often they will not have tax returns for instance well before you come back go and get an accountant or get a preparer sit down with him for a little while and fill out those returns before you even contemplate filing the bankruptcy.
1: By the way, if somebody files a bankruptcy petition, how long does it stay on their credit report, for example? Ten years. Ten years, okay. Then after ten years, it has to come off the credit report. So it is a serious decision. It is a serious step to take. But at the same time, we want to make sure that if somebody is concerned, if somebody has a need, if somebody has had problems, Um, then maybe they do need that fresh start.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you can't have a bag boy at the grocery store with $88,000 in debt who panics every time the sheriff knocks on his door with a lawsuit on his credit card.
1: By the way, one of my first jobs was uh, packing groceries and I never called myself a bag boy. I called myself a bagger. <laughs> <laughs> bag boy sounds like you're working for the mob or something. Uh, okay. <laughs> but in any event, um, uh, Ed, I'm just thrilled to have you here today. Um, when I see somebody like this, I often make the statement that I learn something every single week when I do the show. But I've probably learned a lot more today about bankruptcy and how to file and when to file and the cost of it and everything else. And this has been a very, very useful set of information that you've given us. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, I encourage you to get in touch with Attorney Ed Silvio. Ed, what's your telephone number, by the way? It's
0: 508-999-1913.
1: Okay, so if you have a question about bankruptcy, please get in touch with Attorney Ed Silvia. If you have forgotten his number... Uh, Get in touch with my office, and we'll be happy to refer you to him. And uh, you've been listening to Money Wise, and we like to give you subjects every week that will be useful. Please reach out to us at 508-998-8858 if we can help you. And, uh, Ed, thank you again. This has been really, really very, very useful information. Thank you for being here.
0: Thanks for asking.
1: And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you again next week on the radio.